what I was sharing on is Romans, an epistle to Romans, and we're in chapter go on with um, uh, what I was sharing on is Romans, an epistle to Romans, and we're in chapter 6. And you remember, um, we dealt with the scripture, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. And you remember, how shall we that died to sin live any longer therein is the true uh, sense of it. And last time we talked about what it meant. And does anyone remember what it means? We died to what? The reign of sin. The power of it. It's broken. Amen. And we're set free. And we looked at the various errors, you know, the perfectionists, the ought-to-be-dead-to people, the people who were dying to sin, and the people who just claimed it meant renouncing sin, and we uh, looked at those, and um, the dying to the guilt of sin, and we saw it didn't mean that, it meant dead. We died to the power and influence of sin in Christ. Not something that we do. Um, there's a lot of um, talk and in fact it's a, a very loose way of speaking to say to someone when they come and they moan, well you want to die. Um, because basically we are dead. We died in Christ to the power of sin and you cannot get deliverance by crucifixion. Self-crucifixion will never deliver you. Um, and you need to understand that. You mortify the deeds of the flesh, which is something different. Uh, those are just your natural appetites and desires need mortifying. Um, but don't mix that up and confuse that, as many people do when the scriptures, they confuse it, put it all together, and concoct a fabulous doctrine about dying daily and um, all sorts of ideas. They throw all these little scriptures together and come up with a total deception. Now, you died to sin when Christ was crucified on Calvary's cross and it becomes applicable by faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Alright, so it's God's work. And I want to go on now with um, looking at the next verse, which is um, going to take us this evening. Um, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead 
by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, I want to deal with a verse um, which will probably be sufficient to go on with. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. And um, we need to be careful here that we understand what Paul's going on about. What he's done is... Firstly, he's told us we died to sin. We dealt with that in verse 1 and 2. In verses 3 to 11, he comes along and he explains how. And so, the whole of the next passage we're dealing with is the how you died. And you need to understand that. It's not some um, explanation of... Um, uh, of anything other than how we died. And it's explaining the doctrinal stance and facts. It's not explaining something that's experimental. In other words, if I live um, and look at these scriptures and try and take them to be experimental uh, experiences, I will have a terrible problem because what Paul is, is speaking about here are facts that have happened. This is how it happened. We died to sin is the statement uh, in verse 2. God forbid, how shall we that are dead or died to sin live any longer therein? That's a statement of fact. And now he goes on to explain how we arrived there. And we need to understand that. This is a how passage from 3 to 11. And um, if you look at it in any other way, you'll come under a great deal of misunderstanding. And um, I suppose the, um, the answer to it really lies if you flick back into chapter 5, verse, uh, where is it? verse 10. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved in his life. Now I know your authorized version will say by his life, but it's actually in his life. We're saved in his life. And the whole of this passage that we're coming to deal with is dealing with one thing, and that is the glorious truth that we are in union with Jesus Christ. And it's our union with Christ that gives us all the benefits. It is not a passage that explains water baptism. Though it will explain what is the outward sign of an inward experience, but this passage particularly goes beyond that. 
And I want you to understand that, and we're going to deal with it um, in the various... First of all, I'm going to tell you what it isn't. I always find it so much easier to, rather than to tell you what it is and then to explain what, what the errors are, it's, it's easier to start with what it isn't. Probably you'll have gone to sleep by the time we get to what it is, and therefore you'll miss what it is and you'll always wonder, but you'll know what it isn't. Uh, and that, that is an important thing because this passage of Scripture is one of the ones that it really confuses Christians. If you begin to understand this particular verse, you'll begin to understand the whole of the epistle of Romans because it's really at the center and heart of the truths that Paul writes and, and the epistle to the Colossians and Philippians and Ephesians become clear when you understand this. And so we're going to go on the first one that's an error is by the people who um, sanc sacramentarians they are. In other words, they believe in the sacraments and you will get the sacrament of baptism. Now they mean by that water baptism and this is the verse where the hellish doctrine of popery really stands. Uh, you know it is a hellish doctrine and um, they would say, you see, that um, um, you're baptized into Jesus and therefore that the water in baptism has a kind of power and the water is sacramental and the water will make you, if you get baptized and you get done, you will be in Jesus Christ. Now, it's also a hellish doctrine of the Anglican Church. And make no mistake about it. They hinge on this. They say that, you know, this child, when they sprinkle a little baby with some uh, water on its forehead and make the sign of a cross, they blasphemously say this child is now a child of God and is now regenerate, which is a total lie. How you can pray something that's a total lie and some Anglicans claim they know it's a lie and still do it. That is what I call hypocrisy, the worst order. Um, and the sacramental idea of this verse is totally and utterly wrong. Water won't change you and going into baptism in water in a tank won't bring you into Christ. And um, you need to understand that. And all the way that people take it as a, a, the um, sacrament of baptism, it isn't even being discussed here. Uh, so I want you to understand that, though you will find, of course, the papal people would love to believe it. Now in the New Testament, it's always, we're always taught that water baptism follows believing. You have to be a believer, and it's believers that are baptized. It's not unbelievers that are baptized to get into Christ. It's believers are baptized after having come to Christ as a testimony of that which Christ has done within their life. Uh, but, as I say, this scripture goes far beyond that. Uh, secondly, um, 
you'll get the people who will claim, and this will go for the Baptist churches, uh, that um, once again a total error, they will say, well, we come into Christ not actually just by the water, but by our baptismal vows and testimony. And you will get a lot of places, Pentecostal churches, for instance, who will make a very, very big thing of a testimony time. And you'll hear from their childhood or their babyhood right up to the present time, and then they'll dunk them, and they believe that the testimony of those people uh, is the thing that counts, and then they're baptized. Now, I do believe there must be a profession of faith uh, and according to a man's profession of faith, you baptize them. But what I do not believe is that the testimony and the renouncing of sin um, and the acceptance of Christ as Lord is made efficacious and brings me into Christ by baptism. And you will find that, that the Baptist would say that you become a member of that church by baptism. Then you can take communion. But of course... You aren't made regenerate by being dunked in water. Even after you've given a splendid testimony and bored everyone to death, you are not regenerate by that. And it's once again an error that the Protestants have chosen to choose. Um, the third error they talk about, which you need to know, is... is People say we're baptized into the sphere and the influence of Christ before you were outside of the sphere of Christ, but after you're baptized, you come into the sphere and the influence of Christ once you're in the influence of the world and sin. But baptism cuts you off from the world. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't. Uh, that's all I need to say about that. If water baptism dealt with our problems let's all get baptized every day uh, I mean if it had a kind of magic power which it doesn't um, but if it did it would be nice if it worked it would be nice but it doesn't and therefore we have to face that and then the fourth error that people are have is they say that from this scripture baptism is purely symbolic and water baptism is purely symbolic and it has no effect at all and the Quakers would take it so far as to say there's no need to get baptized at all uh, you know it was only a symbol and you know we've done away with the symbols now anyway in Christ we've got the real thing um, how they get away with the fact that um, uh, the disciples were told to go baptize in, I don't know, they seem not to read that scripture, or they say, oh, well, that meant baptism in the Spirit, not in water. Now, I do believe baptism in water is an essential obedience and step of faith in every Christian life. What I want to point out is that is not what's being referred to here. We're not dealing at all with water baptism in this passage of scripture. It's not explaining it, it's not dealing with it, and it has nothing to do with it. Now, as long as we understand that, we're understanding something. Though, as I said, one can explain what baptism's really all about from this passage, 
but basically this passage has got nothing to do with it. All right? So, the answer really, well, we can just, I'll just show you that. If you take, um, know you not that so many of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now, you will find most people that read that immediately latch onto the word, and most people that read this passage of scripture latch onto the word baptism and baptized, and therefore the whole of their thoughts are going not toward the union we have with Christ, but to baptism. And their whole thinking is centered around the word baptism, because it's there. Especially if they're one of the people that grew up in charismatic circles and learned to underline everywhere where it talks about baptism in the Bible, and they link them all together, and they'll get this bit, and they'll say, oh yeah, that's baptism. And, and they'll link it together, and then they'll get it as water baptism, and they'll say, look, you know, therefore we're buried by, with him by baptism into death. That must be, you know, when we go down into the water, it's as though we're going into the grave. That's what Paul's referring to. And they miss totally what Paul's talking about. So those are all the errors. Now, if you keep your finger in Romans and you just flick to Ephesians, chapter 2, Chapter 2, verse 4. And it says this, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, it is a totally similar and parallel passage that Paul's here, here using, explaining that firstly we were dead in sins and we're quickened together with Christ, but you'll notice that baptism's not mentioned. In fact, the doctrine of baptism that's been laid great stress on, especially water baptism, Paul rather denigrates when he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you, he says to the Corinthian church, save the house of Chloe and I can't remember, Cephas and Stephanus, I think it was, and, and he said, otherwise I, I, I don't remember baptizing anyone in water. Um, but Paul didn't make a great thing of baptism in water, and what I'm just wanting to bring your attention to is this passage isn't talking about that type of baptism. All right? We all understand that, do we? It's talking about a different thing. And we need the answer is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. One Corinthians 12 and verse 13. One Corinthians twelve four by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, 
and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now notice we're all, by one spirit, all baptized into one body. And Paul writes here to the Roman church, know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ. Now we're baptized into Jesus and we're baptized by the Spirit into one body. By the Spirit. And it is a spiritual baptism. It is not and has nothing to do with water baptism. What Paul is talking about here is the Spirit baptism. Um, now I want to you to notice um, that it is uh, for by one spirit, not with. It is not the baptism with the spirit, but we're baptized by the spirit into one body. In other words, my regeneration is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. I cannot be born again unless the Holy Spirit works upon me. I need to be baptized by the Spirit into the body. Once I'm in the body, I need to be baptized with the Spirit in order to move in power. And you need to differentiate between those two things. What we're dealing with here is being baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. All right? You follow that. Plain as mud to some of you by the look of it. Do you follow that? There's a difference between by and with. We're baptized by the Spirit into the body. We need to be baptized with the Spirit afterwards. And we need to understand that. And so, we're baptized. And verse 5 supports that of, of Romans 6. It says this, for if we have been planted in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now the word planted together means grafted in. It's, it's a word, it's nothing to do with planted as, as um, you would think, um, like a coffin's planted in the ground. It's not talking about that. It's talking about being grafted in. And the whole of this passage is to do with our union into Christ. And we need to understand the most valuable thing a Christian can ever know is that he is in Christ. In, grafted in, and baptized into Christ. I need to understand that. Um, and that happens not by anything that I do, but purely by what Christ has already done. And that's the glorious truth. We're coming on to a truth, really, which is so tremendous. That's why Paul writes, Know you not? What? Don't you know? Writes Paul. Now this wasn't some great deep spiritual truth. What's presented, you know, in, in Christian circles very often is, oh well, you, you learn about forgiveness of sins and you learn how, how your sins are forgiven and you're washed in the blood of Jesus and, and then you must go on to know how to live in Christ or there's a new experience of going into Christ. But at birth, 
when I know about forgiveness of sins, when I believe my sins are forgiven, when I know that I died to sin in Christ 2,000 years ago, at that point I'm baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And I come into a union with Jesus Christ. I'm baptized into his body. And I need to understand that that is a beginning. It's not some great experience way down the road. That's where I begin. It's not too many people are looking for it as some great ethereal experience where I come into unity with Christ. And whoa. Um, it doesn't work like that at all. It's at the beginning. And we need to understand that. I'm either in Christ or I'm in who? Who? Adam. Thank you, Albert. I'm either in Christ or I'm in Adam. You remember chapter 5, what it dealt with? We were born in Adam, weren't we? We were all sinners. All had sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you remember it? Keep your finger there and look back. Um... Wherefore, in verse 12 of chapter 5, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. All right? Who was the man? Nevertheless, verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Do you remember? We were all in Adam, weren't we? Now the second man, or the last Adam, was Jesus Christ. And when I'm born again, I move out of Adam and into Jesus Christ. I'm baptized by the Spirit out of the Adam life into Christ and my whole life is transformed and changed. I'm now in Christ, a new creature, a new creation. I'm out of the old Adam, right out. And I need to understand that that is part of the birth. It's part of knowing my sins forgiven it's part of a realization of becoming a Christian. Say, so, well, I thought it was, you know, further down the road. And, I mean, you can go to Selwyn Hughes's deeper life experiences. And as nutty as a fruitcake, they'll all stand up and tell you that this is down the road, you know, or Maurice Sorello's deeper life conferences. And they get up and they talk about things that happen at new birth. And they tell you that, you know, you, you can enter into this. And then there are other people who tell you, oh, well, you can enter into death. You know, people who have finally, have you ever heard them give a testimony? They've actually died now. You know, I've entered into the death of Christ. I, I know I'm crucified. Silly little wretches. You know, after 12 years of struggle, I've finally died. You'll hear people get up and give testimony, especially in holiness meetings. They love it. Um, get up and give a testimony. It's like the stupid doctrine of healing of the memories. You know, you get your memory healed and you get someone who will pray for you and heal your memory. I thought if you had a healed memory, you'd remember things. But what they mean by it is forgetting things. That's what they mean by healing of the memories. I would call that blanking out the memory. Um, it's a total error. And we need to understand that. It can't be right, can it? 
And um, you, you died in Christ 2,000 years ago. You died to sin 2,000 years ago. You're not dying to it. You're dead to it. Your death happened 2,000 years ago. And when you come and you believe on Jesus Christ, don't you know, Paul says, there are so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. You're actually baptized into Christ's death. But he doesn't leave it there. Otherwise we'd all be dead. I mean, Christ died, but he rose again. Therefore, he says, we're buried. Now, you don't bury someone who's dying, do you? It's quite a cruel occupation if you do. You bury someone after they're deaded. You... <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> dead. You, you bury them there and, and you put them in the ground because they're dead. Now, no one buries a live person. And so, we're buried. We were buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. Now, understand that it's not a death thing only, but it's that we might walk in life. We're dead, we're buried, and we're resurrected. This is what Paul's saying. These are things that have happened. And when we believe in Jesus, and we come to faith in Jesus Christ, these things are automatic. And we need to understand that. Now, there's a problem in a lot of people's lives. It doesn't work. So, you have the problem. But, because a thing doesn't work, doesn't mean it isn't true. I stepped out the other day, um, I, I was in the bedroom, and I got out of bed, you know, we get up early, my wife gets me up to pray and read the Bible, bless her, at six in the morning. It's good to have a wife like that. <coughs> and, um, after bringing me a cup of tea, I manage it. And um, after she does, I mean. And I, I was uh, getting up and I heard her, she was going to take the children to school and I heard her trying to start the car. Now, um, there was plenty of snow on the ground but she managed to flood it uh, with petrol, you know. Now, I knew uh, the way she tried to start it, it wasn't going to go. So I looked out the window and I tapped and in the end I, I put on some shoes, went down there, got in, started the car first time. Uh, that's the way it goes. Uh, and you know the feeling. Apparently Carolyn has the same trouble with Peter, you know, he can do it first time and she'll kill the battery. Uh, well, my wife tries that too. Now, the fact is, the truth is, I can say, well, that car doesn't work. When my wife tries to start it, it just goes, that, that's all it does. But everything's there for it to work, 
The problem is that people aren't using the right method to get it working. And just because it doesn't start doesn't mean it won't. And in the same way in your life, just because you think a thing doesn't work doesn't mean that all the ability, all the power of it and the reality and fact of it in your life isn't real. What it means is you haven't started to live by faith so that the outworking of it works. It's all there, it'll work, but you're not working it. That's all that the problem is. God's done his part. It's all done in Christ. It was done 2,000 years ago and you cannot alter it. The perfect work was done in Jesus Christ. You can't alter that fact. You might say, well, brother, I can't believe, I can't do it, it won't, won't work, it doesn't work in my life. Well, that's not the fault of what God's done. In fact, the reality is, it does work in your life. You're just not living it. And that's the awful thing. God's done everything, why don't you live it? And when you start realizing that, you think, well, goodness me, that's why Paul writes to the Romans. No, you're not. Now, Romans, I've never preached to you, but here's a fundamental of the gospel. Don't you know as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Don't you know that? As many of us as were made into Christ partook of his death. And remember, we died to sin. We died to the power of it. We died to the reign of it. Sin does not have dominion over us. The reign of it's been broken. We live in grace. Amen? Say, so, well, it doesn't work. Well, it's faith. Now, half the trouble is that you're trying to get into it. You remember what I said last meeting? There's a lot of people who are saying, Oh God, deliver me, oh Lord. You please help me, oh Lord. Change me, oh Lord. I need this experience. I need that experience. Oh, you know, why doesn't God meet me? Why doesn't God do this? Why doesn't God do that? fact is, God has. Now, he won't answer any prayer which is already answered. Will he? What I've got to do is come to a realization of where I am. I think I've told you the story before. It would be rather ridiculous. When I was in, in the police years ago, I used to work in Piccadilly Circus. Um, you know, one early on in my days, I used to be one of those policemen that had to stand in Piccadilly Circus and look at the tourists. And they'd come and ask you all sorts of funny questions. And I used to try and give funny answers when I <laughs> felt in the mood. Um, because... They, they asked you the daftest things. And um, what I found is this, that imagine, imagine a man coming, as I told you before, with a pickaxe and a shovel and digging up the pavement in Piccadilly Circus. Now, I mean, probably every time you go to Piccadilly Circus, there is a chap with a pickaxe and a shovel digging up Piccadilly Circus because the drains have gone wrong, or it's the electricity board, it's the gas board, or it's the water board, 
or it's some other board who hasn't found out what the others are doing. It's probably looking for one of the men that's got lost of the other board. But they always seem to be digging up something, especially in Onga. And I think they're looking for bodies all down the high road. They just haven't searched it all yet. But the thing is, there, there's a man digging away. If I walked up to him and said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm trying to get out of Dartmoor. Dartmoor what? Prison. I'm escaping. He said, but just a minute, you're in Piccadilly Circus. He said, no, I'm getting out of Dartmoor. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know, actually you'd probably call for a man, you know, with a white coat on, wouldn't you, and stick him in a van and take him off to where he should be. It would be crazy. But that's how a lot of Christians are. Now, God has translated from, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and they're still trying to get out of the kingdom of darkness. They are convinced they're in the wrong kingdom. And they're saying, oh God, you know, I, I, here I am, I'm, I'm in the kingdom of darkness, please deliver me, and they dig and they dig and they dig and they plead with God and they ask for deliverance and they begin to fast and pray, they read their Bible, they moan, they make people miserable, they groan, and they're all the time they're saying, oh, and they're like the man in Piccadilly Circus trying to dig out of Dartmoor. Now you can't. The reason you can't is because you aren't there. And when you believe in Jesus Christ and when you accept him as your Lord and Savior and you know your sins are forgiven and you know you're cleansed in the blood of Christ, you are baptized by one spirit in a one body and you are translated from where you were in the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The power of sin is broken forever. You come out of the reign of sin and into the reign of grace and that's the end of it. Now it's no good from that point on pleading with God to deliver you. How can you deliver someone from Dartmoor in Piccadilly Circus? You can't. And how can God deliver you from darkness when you're in light? So, well, I don't feel it. Well, remember the devil sits on the fence and shouts across the road. Now, if you believe his lies, you'll believe you're in the wrong place. That doesn't make you in the wrong place. It's just that you believe in the wrong thing. And there are a lot of people that live in bondage, not because they're in bondage, but because they believe they're in bondage. And if you believe you're in bondage, you'll find all the symptoms of bondage come. And you'll feel terrible and miserable and wretched because you're believing a lie. Now, it doesn't mean the lie is true. And it doesn't mean that you're lost out. All it means is you're just believing something that's totally untrue. Now, no matter how much you pray for God to deliver you from the lie, he won't because it's not true. And if he did do something, it would be a lie. And he won't. Do something which will give credence to a lie, so it just leave you. So, well, God doesn't move. No, of course he won't. Because you sit there, or you, you lie down in front of him, you weep tears, you tell him a load of lies. And then you say, oh God, this is fact, do something to help me. Well, God doesn't believe lies. 
Now, you might believe them, but he doesn't. So why should he do something to convince you that what you believe, which is a lie, is true? He won't. He just ignores you. Groveling in your little self-pity. He thinks you're stupid. He's done something wonderful and you're living in a delusion. And you can fiddle about with your pickaxe and shovel in Piccadilly Circus and he won't do a thing about it. He'll leave you there. Until you get so miserable and fed up with trying to dig yourself out of, of liberty into bondage again that you realize and you come to your senses. God has delivered you. You're baptized. Don't you know? You're baptized into Christ and into his death. And the reign of sin is broken. It's something that's happened. Now you say, well, how did it happen? Well, it happened in Jesus Christ. In the same way that you believe for forgiveness of sins, you believe for this and enter in by faith. Say, but done work, look at my life. Who asked you to look at your life? Look at the facts. Jesus Christ has done it. That's a fact. Believe the fact. Don't believe your experience. Because the devil will give you all sorts of experiences. He'll lie you into anything. The fact is, God has done it in Christ 2,000 years ago. You died in him. 2,000 years ago. Now nothing is going to cause you to experience it by pleading and moaning and groaning. You've got to accept the fact it's done. The great transaction's done. So, well, I thought I had to, to know I was delivered. Well, know it now, I've told you. So, well, I thought I had to feel it. What are you? sensuous creature I mean you don't have to feel it do you hmm well do you you know you're either becoming a devil or an angel say well I'm not going to believe that unless I can feel my wings who said you were going to have them? How many are you going to have anyway? You're going to have six. There you are, that's another story. I won't go into that. But you won't feel them now. But when you get your glorified body, you will. That's if you go into that state. Um, but the thing that I need to understand most of all is that it's a fact. Don't you know, Paul says? You ignorant Romans, don't you know? That's the sense of what he's saying. Goodness me, thinks Paul. Don't they know? Well, don't you? Don't you realize that the power of sin is broken at birth? No, you don't, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now, that way of putting it, so many of us, means all of us. All of us have been baptized into Jesus Christ. 
And when we were baptized into Jesus Christ, we were baptized into Jesus' complete, whole, perfect, as the person. When I was baptized into Christ, I was baptized into his death, I was baptized into his burial, and I was baptized into his resurrection. Bang, all in one go. You say, well, shouldn't I feel it? No, the fact was that when he died, you died 2,000 years ago. When he was crucified, he bore your sin and took your sin nature into himself 2,000 years ago, and you died in him. When he was buried, you were buried. When he rose, you rose. When he ascended to Father and sat in heaven, you ascended. You say, well, uh, but I'm here. So you are. But that doesn't alter the fact that that's what happened. You see, the spirituals are eternal. Just because you happen to have a soul and you're flipping about and flapping about down here, don't think that that eternal truth is not eternally true. It is. And it's a fact. I know that I'm in him. Why do I know? Because I came from him. I'm going to him. And this is just the interval in between. I mean, it's only the flickering of an eyelid, really. Just inconvenient sometimes, and you wish you'd gone to glory a bit quicker, especially when it's snowing like this. Um, and, you know, there, there are aches and pains in your body, and it begins to wear out. And you wonder whether, you know, it's worth it just carrying on. Oh, Lord, you know, it's better to go and get my glorified body and I'm away. Step out of this old hunk of clay, step into my glorified body and I'll be up in glory and I'll enjoy all the delights of glory. I mean, what, what's the purpose here? apart from the fact that we testify and share Christ with others that they might come into life and know the truths of God but after that we've no purpose really I mean everything's going to burn up and dissolve uh, and I don't live for here there's nothing to live for if you share Christ yeah and hope that God will lighten people and bring them to himself but apart from that, that that's all just stay down here for a little while, but that's all. No purpose in hanging around. Once my job's done, I want to go. I want a first-class ticket, and that's it. Straight out, Lord. Don't let me hang around. I don't want to linger. Say, well, do you mean you want to die? No, I'm not dying. I'm living. I'll step into more life, more abundant life. I'll have a glorified body, no restrictions. I'll be right in the kingdom of God, seated in heavenly places in Christ. I won't ever be troubled again with the things you'll be left troubled with when I'm gone. You can stick my old body down there to feed daisies. I don't care. I won't be in it. Be a new one. And that's it. You know, don't you feel like that? Now, I have it up there already. There's a celestial body and there's a terrestrial one. Okay, I've got my earthly body, but don't you kid yourself, I've also got my heavenly one. That's where I really live. That's where my home is. 
So, well, I thought you lived Bell House. No, I live in New Jerusalem. And my heavenly body's already up there. See? And it's very much alive, too. I'm quickened and alive. And this old thing's wearing out anyway. Useless old thing. No matter what you do, you can't keep it fit and well. And then you've got, you know, it's lovely. There'll be no need of central heating up there, you know. There'll be no need of, of de-sludging your car in the morning. I mean, oh, what, what a petty life we live down here. Struggling and sweating to make a living. And we'll be out of it soon. And we're all in Christ, all of us. And as many of us as were baptized by the Spirit into Christ, into that body, we're all dead to the reign of sin. And we've been baptized into Christ's death. Your old man is dealt with, friend. Everything that was in your old Adam is dealt with. You're now translated into the kingdom of light and the kingdom of Christ. So, well, what about all these problems? What problems? So, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. Yeah, well, there are areas in your soul that are habits. They've just got to be dealt with there where the kings dwell. But God's given it into your hand to rule. Now, one of the ways you'll learn that, you know, we're going to be rulers in, in, in glory. You understand that. And there's thrones and dominions and... And it depends where you are, really, if you're part of the four beasts that are before the throne, if you ascend to that realm, or whether you're one of the witnesses, or whether you're one of the four and twenty elders, part of the four and twenty elders, or whether you're on the glassy sea before the throne, you'll gra gradually, you, you can go up from stage to stage. Now, I don't know where your end is, but they're pictorial of stages in Christ and part of the bride of Christ. And what you have to understand is there are all those different realms in the heavenlies. And what I need to know is, okay, they're there. And I want to be in them. But down here, I, I'm just, you know, dwelling on the earth for, for my heavenly home. It's not my home here. I'm a pilgrim. I'm not going to find a resting place here. There isn't one. I'm going. I'm going home to glory. I'm living for there, not here. There's nothing here that's worth keeping or having, really. Is there? I mean, the whole of creation's tarnished. What are you worried about it for? Rotten old creation. It was wonderful when God made it. He said it was good. But when the fall came, the whole of creation groaneth and travaileth. Doesn't it? for the manifestation of the sons of God. And it's all going to burn up. This heaven, this earth, everything. But I've got a home in glory, which isn't going to burn. Hallelujah. And when there's a new heaven and a new earth, why, the city's going to come down. And we'll rule. Now what you've got to do, you see, the problems in your soul are teaching you how to be a ruler. What God wants you to do is learn how to rule your own kingdom. He that 
learns to rule his own spirit is greater than he that takes the city says in Proverbs now the thing that God does he leaves lots of problems in our lives so we learn how to govern ourselves once you've learned how to control yourself you can rule a city you can rule a church you can govern a people but most people have never learnt self-control they've never learnt how to rule themselves now that's what you're learning down here that's why you've got the problems that's why you've got the things uh, and God will send people across your path it'll be a pain in the neck but the reason is he wants you to learn how to rule your own spirit he wants you to learn how to live so that when you get to your heavenly home you won't be a thorn in his side you'll know how to deal with things that's all you're doing down here what did you think you were up to you're learning how to be a king there's a king of kings Jesus Christ but God wants you to learn how to be a king now the thing you've got to learn to rule over is yourself your soul that's all now you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light the power of sin's been broken now you've got to learn how to rule as a king that's simple isn't it hmm well isn't it God's done it all what's your problem so well this goes wrong and that goes wrong of course it does gives you a backbone you have to learn how to stand up to it I mean if you didn't have opposition you would, you'd be a floppy thing you'd be like a jellyfish if there was no gravity if you floated about your muscles would atrophy if you don't lose your arm your muscles atrophy you can't move them um, I know it has um, and if you don't if you don't uh, have gravity well you'll find that that's why the astronauts when they send them up into space they have to do exercises all sorts of exercises to keep their body going because when they're weightless um, their, their muscles don't get used you don't have to use any strength to lift anything it just floats up I've always wondered how they drink their soup but um, uh, you know and why they can digest things if you ever wondered that without gravity why does the food go down why don't it go up through their nose maybe Albert could tell us I don't know but it would no gravity it's do you ever think stupid things like that no 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 well you're not clever enough to um, but we need gravity we need opposition to make us strong and in the soul realm we need opposition we need the problems to develop us that's how we develop our muscles I've got some weights now you know um, so I can pick it up and develop my muscles um, it's only because my, my shoulder's gone a bit funny and uh, I need to get my arm working again but I've got weights to do it and now you can pick them up and you can practice with them and then I, I go to a physiotherapist and I have to push and she shoves the other way and I'm finding it very difficult there's ways my arm won't go at the moment now she pushes and she says push that now what she's trying to do is put opposition there to develop my muscles and God puts opposition in our life to develop our soul 
to develop our learning and to develop us as kings so we can know how to rule, that's all. It's for your own good. You need that opposition. You need that problem. You need that bad lesson you're learning. And, well, you know, I don't like it. Well, no, you won't like it. I don't like the physiotherapist pushing me. I'm waiting until she tries on the right-hand side. I'll throw her in a flower pot. But on the left, she's the master. Me arm won't go. If she tries the right, she'll learn. Um, because my right arm's all right. That's why I've, t I've told the kids that come into the school, don't worry, I'm not a cripple. My left arm might be disabled at the moment, but my right arm is powerful. Got all the power in that. And... Um, very important to have that. Got a nice big. I've got a weightier paddle too, you know, so I don't have to make too much effort. They all know. But that's why we need opposition. We need opposition to teach us how to govern. I need to be a governor. You understand that? Now that's all you're learning down here. That's all you're left here for. God has no intention of using you for anything else. And there you are. And so, it's true for every Christian. Now, no matter what your state, that's what God's doing with you. He's teaching you how to live as a king. Now, some of you say, oh, well, there's this terrible problem I've got. Uh, you know, I, I, no one else has it. Well, that's because you need developing in that area. So God's given you a problem that is special for you. A lot of other people have got it, really. It's just that you're so vain, you think you're special. Uh, a lot of other people have got the same problem. I mean, we all have problems. I mean, little Peter Ellis, he jumped up in the back of a lorry when the shutter was down. Well, now that's painful on your head. I said to him, I asked him what he'd done with his head was halfway down the shutter. Now, I'm sure he won't do that a second time. Now, that you learn how to govern and control yourself, don't you? When you get your brains beaten out on the back of a lorry. I mean, you, you won't do it a second time. And we learn a lot of it from a lot of experiences. We learn not to do things. You know, it's just that his scars are so prevalent I can't help noticing them glisten in the light, you know. What a mess. Dear, oh dear, poor Peter. Actually, he should wear his red crash helmet thing he wears, you know. When he's chopping down trees, he'd have been safer. But there you are. <laughs> Painful, isn't it, when you do that? Oh dear, we all make mistakes. And we're, we're baptised into his person. And when we're baptized into his person, we get certain attributes. And these are at birth. And if you look in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, 1 Corinthians 1, and you remember we're baptized into Jesus Christ. And here it says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, but of him are you in Christ Jesus who is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written he that glorieth 
let him glory in the Lord. Now, do you know Jesus Christ is wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And when you're baptized into Jesus Christ, at birth, you have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption in you. That's what he is. Now you say, you can't sanctify yourself in the sense of you start saying, oh dear, I've got to change, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Christ is your sanctification. When you have faith to believe that, you'll find a lot of your problems will go. There's so many people trying to clean up their own lives. The only way to do it is get Christ's life. My life won't clean up. I can't clean up my life. But if I draw off the life that he's already given me, if I see that Christ is my sanctification, if I need sanctify, I draw off the life of Christ. If I need redemption or need more reality of redemption, I draw off Jesus Christ. I stop trying to do it myself and realize it's in him as a gift. You see, we're saved by grace and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And my salvation's complete. Now, I can't have Jesus have his redemption or have his justification without having his sanctification. I can't have Christ without having his wisdom because you can't divide God up and say, well, Jesus, I've got this part of Jesus and that part of Jesus, but the other part I didn't get. When Jesus Christ comes, you get the whole person. You get everything. So when you're in him and you're baptized into Jesus Christ, you're baptized into his death, you're baptized into his burial, you're baptized into his resurrection, you're baptized into him that you might have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification and redemption. You've got everything. But it doesn't work. Of course it works. It's a fact. You can't deny it. It's irrefutable. God's done it. You've got to believe it. All you've got to do is outwork it. You've got to live it. How do you live it? By letting him do it. In other words, you have to step back and allow his life. It's God who worketh in you, both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Do you understand that? No? Yes? should all be standing up shouting hallelujah. If it's true. I'm baptized. Paul wrote to them, don't you know, you ignorant people? Don't you know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death, his resurrection? Don't you know? We were buried with him by baptism. Don't you know? Now, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And you're not preaching the gospel or sharing the gospel with people if you don't tell them. That's the good news. Everything's been done for you. All you've got to do is receive it and accept it by faith and live in it. I allow the life of Christ to outwork in you. So, well, what about the dealings of God? Well, of course there are. I've told you that your soul, you, that, that's in your spirit, that's a fact, it's a spiritual fact. 
irrefutable, eternal fact. Of course you've got to outwork it in this life. There are going to be the trials and tribulations. There, Of course there are persecutions and all those type of things. That's just to strengthen and develop you. There's problems in your life, well that's to develop you. That's just to make you more strong and to give you some backbone. That's all. But it doesn't alter the fact that you are a, a child of God, you're a, a king and you're a ruler and you're developing. And you've got a heavenly body and you're on your way. All these things are in Christ. That's what salvation is. You understand that, don't you? So, well, I thought you said we had to enter into the promised land and drive the kings out. Yeah, well, they're in your soul. I'm talking about your spirit, you see. And you're, you've got to live and walk in the spirit, haven't you? And you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh and desires of the flesh if you walk in the spirit. It's all to do if you walk in the light, the fears in the light, have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses you from sin. It's walking how you walk. Now you can allow the devil to shout over the fence and tell you you're deceived. You know, it's not true. Look at you. And if you look at yourself long enough, you'll believe him. Because he can find a hundred things wrong with you. And he'll be right on every one of them. But then you look away at Christ and see that you died to sin in him. You realize you're baptized into his body. What's the problem? Baptized into his death? Baptized into his burial? Baptized into his resurrection? Baptized into his glorification? Glory to God, it's all over. Say, well, oh, but, but it doesn't work. Of course it does. It's fact. You're just not believing it. Say, well, will all my problems go? No. They're there especially to develop you. You need them. You need your problems. Well, but, but, but I, I, you know, won't God deliver me? No, he won't. He's delivered you from sin and the power of sin and the reign of sin. Now you've got to learn how to walk. Sin's ever present with us. But we're not under its reign or its tyranny now. We've been delivered. The devil's in the world. The power of the world's working against us. We just walk through the world as children of light. See? That's what this scripture's talking about. It's a lot in this verse, really, if you Look at it, isn't there? Think about it, it's all hidden. That's so that seeing you won't see. Hearing you won't hear. If you've got ears to hear what's said, it'll be so. You're no longer in Adam. Who are you in? You've been translated from where to where. Kingdom of darkness to kingdom of light. You've been taken out from under the power of Satan into power of Christ. These things have all happened. So whoa, 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 when did it happen? When Christ was crucified on Calvary's cross, buried and rose again from the dead and ascended to the Father? You did. He said, but I was here. 
I'm here now. I wasn't there then. Oh, yes, you were. How many of you remember when Adam sinned? Huh? How many of you remember when he took the apple? It wasn't apple, it was fruit. I beg your pardon. But I see so many drawings with an apple. I keep thinking. How many remember when Adam took the fruit? But you're in Adam, aren't you? You're a sinner. Because Adam sinned, you received a nature of sin. But that happened many thousands, seven thousand, eight thousand years ago. And yet it passed on you and you accept that. Well, when Christ rose again from the dead, it passed on you, life. And you've got to accept it. You came out of Adam into Christ when Christ rose again from the dead. That was done for you. And that's the truth of it. And nothing can stop it. It's glorious. If you look in Colossians, we'll just have a look at a couple more scriptures. Uh, Colossians... Um, Well, let's take Colossians 2.10. You'll know, know that one first. Um, Colossians 2.10. For in him, or verse 9, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are going to be made up out of spare parts in him. What are you? You're complete. <laughs> Some of you look a complete mess, <laughs> but you're complete. Um, no, you're complete in him. Everything that you need is in Christ, and you are complete in him. You're not complete in yourself, but you're complete in him. Wisdom, redemption, sanctification you're complete in him you've got it all you see we're not looking for something to come you're complete it's done when Christ said on the cross it's finished he meant it now that's a fact understand it's true no matter what you want to say it's true and if you look in um uh, the first chapter, verse 21. And you, you, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Now all you've got to do to be presented holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight is just to continue in the faith. What faith? Faith in believing God that you are baptized by one spirit into one body into his death, into his burial and into his resurrection. If you walk in it believing that God has 
born you and made you a son that you're delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and you walk as a child of light you will find total freedom and you will be presented blameless and unreprovable in his sight glory to God what, a, what an opportunity it's done it's all done for us and then in um, look back in verse 12 and we'll see not um, verse 12 uh, of chapter 1 of Colossians giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated, not will, but has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature. Now it's done. The blood was shed on Calvary's cross and you are regenerate. You're not waiting for something. You can pray till the cows come home, but that will not change the fact that the whole thing's been done and if you believe God, by faith you can enter in. Of course, as I said, there are the dealings of God. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be problems. The devil will lie to you. There's all sorts of trials you're going to go through. But that's just par for course. You're learning how to be a ruler and a king. Well, you want to learn, don't you? That's all we're remaining here for, just so we can learn a few lessons before we go up to glory. What do you think we are here for? That's all. And we'll learn how to worship and love him and be an adorer of the Lamb and a lover of the Lamb. We'll learn how to love the brethren because when we get to glory, we've got to love each other got a fellowship with each other up there you're going to have to love me six wings and all <laughs> all the eyes I think my two eyes are bad you wait till I get up there be full of eyes eye eye here and there you wait and see eyes within and eyes without and when you get up there, you see, those things are going to be so. You still have to love me. Yeah. All the things that are going to come. I thought actually, and I'm going to, in, over the next month or so, I'll start and we'll go through the book of Revelation. haven't done it with the church, and I thought I'd just do it because it's quite interesting, you know can fire your imagination and so and let you see things but the thing is we're baptized we want to know where we're going don't we it's good to know about your future home isn't it so I thought we'd do a study on it but the real thing is don't you know as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death don't you know that says Paul it's important you see the power of sin's broken we died to sin we're dead and our life is hid with Christ in God you're complete in him 
You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Where's the problem? So, well, the, the situation in my life, well, so what? Believe God. Believe what he says. So, well, I don't feel it. Well, that doesn't matter. It doesn't alter the fact. It's true. God, in his grace and his mercy and his love, has translated. Don't you know? says Paul as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death your old man, your old Adam your old nature's gone you've been born anew and that's the truth may God open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to comprehend that which he's done that we might begin to live it and stop looking at our problems and analyzing it and believing lies when the truth's so clear in Scripture. Let's pray. the truth that we've been baptized by one spirit into one body we've been baptized into Jesus Christ into his very body and life all the attributes of Christ we have wisdom and righteousness sanctification and redemption they're ours thank you we are complete in him it's a fact O oh Lord Forgive us, O oh God, that we so often looked at our experiences and failed to believe thee. Lord, by your Spirit, begin to work in each heart. Put that glorious gift of faith there that laughs at impossibilities and cries, it shall be done. That when we see thee, O oh God, we'll be like thee. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you that this is just a time where we dwell on this earth, but our home is heaven. We're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Even now, oh Lord, we realize where our citizenship is, where our future is, where our life is. Lord, inspire each heart. Quicken your word. Lord, touch each soul. By your spirit, let that truth go home. Let the glorious truth of what you've done reach into the hearts, O oh Lord. Let it go beyond the intellect into the depths of the being. Write the truth deep in the soul. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for that life, for that hope, for that truth. We thank you for what you have done for us. Lord, even as we remember this time of year, your birth, your coming to earth as a man, and God, we remember too, O oh Lord, your death, 
your burial and resurrection, your ascension into glory, and we thank thee that it's so real for us. Thank you it changes us. Thank you its power does break the power and reign of sin. And we come into the reign of grace. Teach us, O Lord, how to walk in it. How to live in it, we pray. Oh, Jesus, precious Lord, quicken each heart, quicken each soul. Don't let anyone be blind, O God. Don't let anyone miss your way. Don't let any ears be so dull they cannot hear. Don't let any eyes be so blind they can't see, O God. Open the eyes and the ears. Melt the heart. That you might be glorified. And lifted up. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.